You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Ah, sleep. Who knew you could miss it so much? The reason that parents don't sleep, of course, is directly related to whether their baby sleeps. And there are many reasons why they don't, but most of them have been a complete mystery to me with both of my babies. Enter Cindy Davenport. She is a registered midwife and founding director of Safe Sleep Space. She's got some reasons why your baby may not be sleeping. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Great. Thank you. So can you tell, let's start with the circadian rhythm because we do all hear about that as parents. Um, why does a baby's circadian rhythm perhaps stop them sleeping at night? Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. There are lots of reasons for why a baby won't sleep, but circadian rhythm is a great place to start. So what circadian rhythm is, is it's really knowing the difference between day and night. And for an infant, um, really up until about five or six months of age, they, they seriously, they truly don't know the difference between day and night. They don't have any real circadian and rhythm and there's great reasons for that but the for a parent it's when they say to us ah oh, my baby's mixing up day and night well Yep, they absolutely are, and they're meant to till they're about five or six months of age, and it's all to do with their levels of melatonin, and they really don't have, you know, in that capacity to know that difference with that day and that night, and that's because babies are biologically meant to feed and feed day and night, and this is a reason why that, that they're not really meant to be sleeping through, and even come the five or six months, we never say you know, a baby should be sleeping through then at all. They're all so different. It just means that they might get longer stretches at night from here on in. But, you know, at Safe Sleep Space, we always say to parents, if your baby is hungry, they are hungry, feed them. They absolutely meant to feed overnight, and you know this is this is what we do. <laughs> That's parenting. Now, um, since recommends that babies sleep in the same room as their parent for the first six months, but when you if you decide that you want to transition them out of your room at that point, it can be quite challenging, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Definitely red nose. We recommends you know sleeping the infant in their own separate cot in the parents' room for the first six to twelve months, and we know that the research shows us that that actually really really helps the the infant um, enormously and the parents as well. But when the parent has decided and is ready to make that move, generally after that twelve months, you know there, there's a lot of sometimes potentially anxiety around this, like moving my child to another room or what's going to happen. And will I hear the child? And here comes all these monitors and super analyzing of our, our infants and um, all these sort of things come into play. Big thing here that we say is listen to your gut here as a parent. You know your baby. You will hear your baby. You will wake up and hear your baby. I know, or that was someone so strange will. how I always, even now, I'll go to bed and I'll be like hyper aware. And then I'm like, please, Siobhan, when your children want you, they make sure you know about it. Absolutely. This is what crying is about. And especially, well, when our little babies, you know, cry, crying is a means of communication. It, they don't, very young babies don't have words, of course. So that's the only way they know how to communicate with us. And as parents, we need to start to work out the different types of cries. And, and that's one of the things when we work with families and, and our educators too, you know, de deciphering the cries. Is it just a grizzle? Is it just a fuss? Or 
is it a real forceful cry? Well, a full forceful cry is, is meant to provoke in us as adults to respond, and that's what we do. So yes, if a baby wants you, they will wake and they will they will cry so that you will hear them. And um, mm. yeah, generally one of the parents or somebody will be responding. But yeah, absolutely for parents, it's a it's a hard time, and you know it is often difficult. Do the babies? Um is that a time where they get separation anxiety or does that kind of come out in different moments? Yeah, look, separation anxiety we generally tend to see with our little babies around that seven to nine month mark. Interestingly, we also see it again with our toddlers around the 15 to 18 month mark. And a lot of parents don't get to know that. So it's a really good point to go if a toddler is becoming anxious again, that that is a separation anxiety. So what separation anxiety comes about, it is really because of, again, a bit of a, a development in the in the infant's brain. It's called object permanence. So truly up until about seven months of age, give or take, you know, there's no norm here for any baby, but give or take, a baby knows prior to that, they don't know that you've left the room, for example. But around about seven to nine months, they absolutely know that you have gone and you've left the room. This is why they can crawl, because they crawl around and try and find us everywhere. And absolutely, that's what they do. So object permanence is when that separation anxiety can come into play. Because if a parent doesn't keep going back in and responding, which is what we so want them to do, using very much um, acute in infant mental health approach to sleep, we, we need to listen to their cries and we need to respond and we need to stay in tune with our babies and we need to go back in and tell them, you know, speak to them or pick them up or respond appropriately rather than do any of the behavioural approaches where you time things. So safe sleep space, we don't time anything. We want families to, oh, my child needs me, I'm going to go in. Or I've said I'm coming back in, I will be back in. So, yeah, separation anxiety is a big thing. And again, if parents understand when that kicks in, usually around seven to nine months, it kind of prepares them to go, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I remember hearing something about that. Okay, I might need to just come back in a bit quicker than I would have before. Or I need to, you know, I'll listen and respond. You're listening to Kindle in Conversation. I'm speaking with Cindy Davenport. She's a registered midwife and founding director of Safe Sleep Space. And we're talking about some of the many reasons why your baby might not be sleeping. But what I'm learning, Cindy, from speaking to you is that um, these are all really common things that have just happened to most babies. The whole circadian rhythm, the separation anxiety. I mean, most of the time when your baby doesn't sleep through the night, you're thinking, what, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to help them sleep, et cetera, et cetera. But what you're saying is there's lots of reasons why and they're just part of our natural biology. Absolutely. And another big one that we, we um, help our parents understand is is definitely growth spurts. So when a baby goes through growth spurts, and generally these are for the younger infant, but, you know, at three weeks and six weeks, three months and six months, then they're going to be awake a bit more and they're going to need to feed more. And absolutely we do. We want to feed our babies as much as they, they need. So, again, if parents understand that some of these reasons that babies wake are absolutely normal and they're not going to last forever, then it really helps them to sort of not get, I guess, so anxious and maybe seek help when things may be going on for a little bit longer or or at least talk to people, talk to the most person. most parents, when that happens to them, blame themselves mm. and think, what am I doing mm. wrong mm. and my baby's not sleeping enough. Mm. But what you're saying is it's, yeah. it's a need that they just need yeah. to have met. Yeah, and that's just just normal for an infant. We are here to help them. So help. Talking about helping them, mm. can you talk to me about dummies? Because yeah. there's always a many schools of thoughts about yeah. dummies. Some babies take to them mm. and it helps them sleep. Others don't. Um, 
let's say they do light them, but they wake up when they fall out. Mm. <laughs> What's happening there and how should we deal with it? Yeah, really common scenario. So what happens with our babies? If a baby, you know, babies love to, to self-suck. They, they, they like to suck. So if it's okay and a baby loves to have a dummy, and generally we're talking about a very early baby here, as long as they're feeding, breastfeeding or feeding is established, having a dummy is okay, making sure that that is okay. So, yeah, if a baby is old enough um, and they are throwing their dummy out and probably throwing out multiple dummies because the, the parent has probably popped a number of these dummies in the cot, one of a re- the really good strategies that we suggest uh, is is that if they're able to have that dummy put back in their hand rather than the parent put it in their mouth, they've got good hand-to-mouth coordination, so then they're more likely to be able to put it back in their mouth themselves. So if they lose the dummy and the parent's not around and they can seek out and find one in their cot, they'll pop it back in their mouth and they'll get very used to doing that rather than throw it out. So when you were talking about sleep association with the dummy, one of the things my daughter used to do, I love thinking back to the things we did with my daughter, who's now five, I used to rock her to sleep. But as I rocked her to sleep, she would pinch the inside of my arm until it was bruised. Yeah. (laughs) And I used to think, lucky I love you, crying, crying. Her sleep association, the only way I could get her to sleep was if I let her pinch my arm. And I tried to find all kinds of substitutes for my arm, but I didn't know how to just put her down and work out something else because I just didn't, it honestly soothed her to cause me that much pain. So can you talk to me about, I'm I'm hoping that no other parent has that experience, but um, can you talk to me about when a child needs something from the parent Mm. in order to sleep and what you do about that if it becomes too much, I guess. Yeah. Well, poor you. But yes, it's (laughs) it's not uncommon for us to, one of the reasons a baby won't sleep is because of a sleep association, what we call a dependent sleep association. So the infant or the child, like your little one, was dependent on falling asleep in your arms, pinching you, or it may be other things like feeding to sleep or driving in the car or or being held, uh, all of these things that a parent, as I said, well-meaning parents really do, like yourself, um, (laughs) do anything to help our infants sleep. They really do mean that what they're doing is just such a great job. What happens with an infant, though, is when they go to sleep in your arms like that, then when they wake at the light sleep phase, so generally for a little baby that's around 35 to 40 minutes, they've had kind of that, that sleep, or a toddler about 60 minutes in, they need that same rocking in your arms, pinching you, or whatever it is, that help them go to sleep. And unless they have that they're going to find it really difficult to drift back off into that next sleep phase themselves. So for parents, educators, anyone with our babies, we need to help them break that sleep, that dependent sleep association. And we do this really kindly, you know, just not rocking them so they're in a deep sleep, for example, but staying close and being with the child and gradually moving away so that then they are able to drift to sleep. And if they cry, go back in and and help them so that that child really knows that trust factor that you're there for them, but just not being dependent on you to go to sleep. Yes, we did finally break the pinching and my son didn't do it. So, you know, I'm all good. (laughs) Um, Now, one of the things, of course, that happens with all our babies and toddlers is that they go through different developmental stages where all of a sudden they'll do something amazing, like pick something up with their pincer grip and we all 
get ecstatic and, you know. But how do those sorts of things affect their sleep pattern? Yeah, so definitely another reason why parents find that their child won't sleep is is that they're going through what we call a developmental milestone. So again, if parents anticipate, they know that when their child is going through one of these milestones, it really is, again, a good way of thinking about it is, is this beautiful brain that is, is forming in these formative years is having a little bit of a shift or a bit of a change. It's a good thing. They're, they're developing. They're growing well. But it often disturbs the sleep. So we'll often see a, sli- a, a sleep shift when the child is doing this. So for example, rolling or crawling or sitting up or walking or, you know, starting to talk, those sort of developmental milestones. And again, if a parent get knows that, they go, ah, oh, I know what that is again. And and they're more able to understand and work with the little one to get them back to sleep. And what would you say is one of the well, there's lots more, but one of the final main reasons a child might not be a baby might not be sleeping well? Yeah, and I think one of the key things for parents is if their child is unwell, they're never going to sleep as well. And obviously it's just like an adult. If you don't feel very well, you've got a heavy cold or you're not managing, then you're not going to sleep as well. So for parents it's really mindful. Go with your gut. A parent always knows when their child is unwell, maybe an ear infection, maybe particularly bad teething. And if that's the case, don't be too hard on on the little one or hard on yourselves just go with the flow and get them to go to sleep in the best way that you can safely of course but know that it won't last you know for that long because the little one won't be that unwell they they usually bounce back quickly and also of course seek medical help if if you, you know they're concerned Thank you, Cindy. There's so much in that. I think we're going to have to write a blog, so watch out on the website. Thanks for your time, Cindy. Thanks, Siobhan. That's Cindy Davenport. She's the founding director of Safe Sleep Space. We'll have links up to their website at kindling.com.au, and we will write a blog on that, so you can always go back and refer to those tips. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.